You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for ambitious women cultivating thriving careers. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. So let's get started. Hey guys, we are back with another episode. And as you know, this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. So I wanted to bring you a conversation that was so, so helpful for me, especially in this last week. I know in the height of COVID, a lot of us may be struggling with our well-being. I know for me, in one way life slowed down, but in another, I felt like I got busier and never fully got the chance to step off the hamster wheel for a moment. And whilst I'm usually great at scheduling time for me to take care of myself and to rest, this illusion of having so much more time in many ways pushed me to what was a burnout. So I wanted to have and share this conversation Assistant psychologist, self-care coach and founder of Good To Me UK, Shanley Lewis. In this episode, we talk about what self-care is, why it doesn't have to cost you anything, the importance of rest and rejuvenation when you are relentlessly pursuing a thriving career, whether that's in your work or in your business. We also talk about how you can begin your self-care journey and, of course, how to deal with the guilt of taking time. So I hope that not only you enjoy this episode, but you take the time to really think about what is it that you need so that you can show up as your best self. Everyone is very familiar with self-care at this point. You know, it's kind of one of those buzzwords, but in your experience and from your professional knowledge, what exactly is self-care? Um, yes, it definitely is a buzzword that's going around at the moment Um, but self-care is really simple and it's basically the actions that we take to practice looking after our health so that could be your physical health or your mental health so the two key words there are practice and action so a lot of us may be aware of um, maybe what self-care is but often we're not really taking much of the action or we're not practicing it so we might find that we kind of just do it kind of once in a while but it is about really just taking time to continuously do something that benefits our health. One of the things that I appreciate about what you just said was that we may understand the concept of self-care but we don't necessarily practice it like What do you think is the main reason why we can have an understanding of self-care and understand that we need to take care of ourselves, but what exactly is it that really holds us back from taking those actionable steps? Well, I believe really it's probably um, kind of maybe not knowing, I guess, you know, what what things work for us. Um, And also it's something that hasn't been taught for many, too many of us. And I know that was something that I've also kind of experienced kind of when I started my own self-care journey. It wasn't something that was taught to me. So the first thing I went to go and do was what I saw in the media, which was going to put on um, a face mask. But um, I think one of the main things is, you know, us not being aware of our, our own needs and how to meet them. Also, from working with a lot of clients um, as well, it's also helped me to really understand as well um, our esteem, our self-esteem can get in the way as well. So with self-esteem, it's really kind of just how much you, I guess, like yourself. Some people would say how much you, you love yourself. A lot of us, you know, at some point in our lifetime will experience uh, times where we have low low self-esteem. And 
from that usually means that we we don't have that that self worth. We don't think that actually we are worth being put first, and that actually other people should be put first, or we find our value in other things other than you know ourselves and seeing the value that we maybe can bring to others. So that another barrier actually that that tends to get in the way as well. Especially as women, we're kind of raised to put everyone else ahead of us, and we're raised to take care of everyone else and be these superhumans. And so, for a lot of the times, you do think, "Oh, I don't need to take care of myself." So, what has been your journey with self care? There was there were two points. So there was one point、um, where I, you know, sometimes there's like a message that you're supposed to listen to, and then you ignore it, and then it comes back again. That that happened to me. So my first kind of knock was when I was in university. When I was younger, it would be more that I was I was very much like a people pleaser. You know, I wanted people to like me. I was very quiet, but wanted people to like me. If they came in contact with me, it was like you know, I I want you to like me. I want to do something nice for you. I want to help you in some sort of way. So that was very much my personality. I still have those those things now in terms of me. You know, caring for people, caring for others, but not so much in terms of the the people pleaser. I've always tried to work, work as best as I can, really trying to strive to be the best,、um, to to just be yeah, to be at my best. So that was what I was always focused on, very much focused on personal development. The first year of uni, I had great, you know. Lots of fun, which meant that I didn't really focus on focus on what I was actually there for. So I was in uni in Leicester, and the second year came round, and I realised, oh, you know, <laughs> you haven't done any of the work, and all of this, you know, counts to to you know your final grade. So it was kind of like a reality check, and that really was difficult for me. And I went into a really low period where I was literally just working, working in retail, and then coming back. And studying—that's all work, study, work, study. That's all I was doing. I did not socialise with anybody. So that year, my punishment was: now you had fun, now you're not having fun. And I was just working、um, and isolating myself. And I put on so much weight, really down. I was really depressed. And I used to have a lot of people coming to check in on me, but I wouldn't let them in. So I was living by myself in a studio flat, and I used to have people come. To just checking on me, but I wouldn't answer the door anyway. I was actually working in London as well Whew, to be able to to be able to pay for my my rent. So they probably I was thinking, oh, they think I'm in London, so it was absolutely fine. Thankfully, I had a friend who who didn't give up. She came in, and I wasn't living well. I was eating healthily, and she was just like, you know, what's going on? That was by the end of the year, and she was like, come on, let's go out.、Um, You know that's all. That's the solution when you're at uni. Let's go out. So we went out, but I did feel much better then. So、um, that's kind of when I started to take. You know, started to realise. Okay, something's up. Let's start to you know work on you again. I knew that at that time my esteem was really low. So I'd been beating myself up. So that was part of where the journey started. So I was doing psychology, studying psychology, managed to graduate. Then wanted to get into working in mental health. So the reason why I'm I'm just so so passionate about mental health. My、uh, dad, when I was younger, he experienced a stroke, and following his recovery. When I was young, was、um, he, he experienced severe depression, and in the household it was never really discussed, and that's what led me to go and search and really understand what was going on for him. And I just really fell in love with kind of the mind and how people behave and why they do things, and 
it was very interesting for me. So I wanted to then kind of pursue a career in kind of psychology. So I started working on a mental health ward. So um, I was an assistant psychologist there, running groups on the ward and absolutely loved it. However, because I was really wanted to strive to, again, be the best and grow in my career, I was working like a lot. I think I had a bad mindset in terms of like money, like always feeling like, you know, my money's going to run out. So you need to make sure you've done all the overtime so that you can, you know, all of those kind of thoughts and that scarcity mindset. That was kind of my main drive. And then, you know, you need to be the best, you know, get all the experience that you can. So I was literally just saying, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'll do this. I'll do that. And at that time, that was very much in my personality. It was a new field that I wasn't that I didn't really know much about and I just wanted to impress so I guess this is where the people pleasing came in so when I was there I remember my supervisor actually I was going to help one of the ladies on the board and my supervisor came over and um, she was like Shanley but she was actually calling me beforehand whilst I was running through the ward and to to, over to go and help one of the the clients was quite upset at the time and she was calling me and then after I helped the client I came back and I was like oh what was she saying and she was like you need to take care of yourself and I didn't take the message too nicely because we didn't really get on as well um so I didn't take it nicely so I was quite upset and funnily enough that evening I was like in the bath you know trying to relax and take care of myself because that was the only thing that I knew you know when she said self-care I thought that's what she meant However, later on, I learned that that's not really what she meant. And that's when my self-care journey began. So I started to kind of put different strategies and tools in place um, and incorporate that into my lifestyle so that I could actually give birth to kind of my brand. Because at that time, I was actually starting to think about my whole, um, my brand, because I was delivering CBT, so Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Groups, to clients on the ward. And we were basically teaching them you know, part of you kind of taking care of yourself, you being self-aware. And I was thinking, this is really strange that we are teaching this to clients who, you know, I was working on a mental health ward where people were severely unwell to the point where they couldn't really even pay attention to what I was saying in the group. So I was thinking, why are we teaching people this now? Um, And I was having lots of conversations with people who were feeling stressed, who were feeling burnt out, and telling them kind of all the tips and things that I was teaching these clients who weren't able to process it because of where they were mentally. And so that's when kind of my brand came about. And I was thinking, actually, this is something that many of us haven't been taught and we need to kind of have these skills now. So I very much believe self-care is a skill as well. So it's something that we kind of just, yeah, we have because we haven't been taught it. So we have to, yeah, kind of develop it. So that's where... My self-care journey kind of began and where it kind of came came from. It's amazing that you said self-care is a skill because it takes a lot of practice. And with any skill, like sometimes you're going to feel like you're getting it right. And sometimes you're going to feel like, oh, wait, this isn't exactly what I need right now. And I need to take stock and need to take a step back and really figure out What is it that I as a person need? How do we even begin that journey of figuring out what we need when the reality is we haven't really been having that kind of conversation at all? Yeah, I like the fact that you talked about kind of just also practicing it, because again, this is that the whole part of the self-care journey is that 
that mastery is us kind of mastering how to to take care of ourselves. But yes, it comes in little bits and pieces. But in terms of maybe how we might go about finding out what we need, the first thing that I always say to everybody is self-awareness. Because if we're not aware of ourselves, or if we don't know who we are, or what we, you know, what we, what we need, or what we're struggling with, then we're not going to be able to know, you know, how to care for ourselves. So, for example, when you have a baby, this is something that is a part of you, and you would think that as soon as the baby comes out, you know, I know this baby, this is my child. Um, however, you know that that baby has its own personality, no matter how kind of small it is. We have to take time to learn you know learn about that baby what it likes what it doesn't like you know its attitude its temperament and I think that's the same thing that we need to kind of go back and take stock of for ourselves because I think a lot of the time we can spend a lot of time kind of living and thinking that maybe we do know ourselves and we're very aware however sometimes that's not the case so I always say it's about kind of developing self-awareness and the way that you do that is through through journaling that's one of my 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 best kind of in terms of a tool it would be through journaling so really being aware of the kind of thoughts that you have um emotionally being in touch with yourself emotionally so how you feel emotionally and your behavior because we are affected by our you know how we think how we feel and that affects what we do so it is about being aware of those those kind of things so for example if we find that maybe we are overworking how has that made you feel what kind of thoughts follow from that so from from that sort of information that will then help you to be able to better take care of yourself so journaling and then my second thing would be mindfulness I've been literally zooming it from the rooftops at the moment because, again, that's just another great way for us to come from a place of acceptance and just being because I think um, especially when we're working, we're trying to kind of strive to be, you know, the best, whether it's in our business, in our job, what, what have you. We're on autopilot. We're just kind of focusing on the end goal and we're actually forgetting about the here and now. And there's like research to say, I think it was in 2010, we spend 47% of the time in autopilot. So that means literally about half of half of our time we are spent kind of not being present, not being aware of, you know, you know, whatever we may be doing, whether it's engaging with our friends and family or even focused on our work. So we're just constantly maybe thinking about the past or the future and we're judging it a lot as well. And this is what can kind of leave lead us or leave us in a place of being, you know, anxious, um, stressed out. But when we are able to kind of sit with our thoughts and sit with our emotions, that then allows us to be okay with kind of some of the thoughts that we're having, some of the emotions that we're having, some of the experiences that we're having without judgment. Because mindfulness is all about being present in the current moment uh, without without judgment. And we spend a lot of time judging and criticizing different things that maybe we're thinking or we're doing. And that leads to a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. So that's also a great skill and practice to help you to kind of start out to kind of find out what it is that you need. I love that, you know, you explained that, yeah, you're a high achiever. And one of the things that I've, I have always known this about myself, I probably realized maybe at like six years old, I was a high achiever. And that has led to a lot of in my experiences. And I get to call them by this term now because I've learned it. But I've had a lot of burnouts, not knowing they were burnouts. And when I discovered and I understood, you know, self-care as it is for me, because my experience with self-care, 
you know, I've always journaled. I've always, you know, given myself a pamper day and all those things. But my journey with self-care intentionally showed up after a very traumatic experience in my life. And I realized that I was actually still trying to work my way through it versus dealing with it and giving myself room and space to navigate it. I was running on E and I can't actually function properly if I'm not taking care of myself. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes uh, that I love to say is like, when you rest, you do your best. Because when we when we take care of ourselves, that only brings kind of positive emotions. And I often say that we are unable to function off of negative emotions, whether that be anxiety, stress, or, you know, kind of sadness, depression. Yeah, so... How important is self-care in our professional lives? It is highly, highly important. If if you are somebody who, you know, is kind of fond of reading any personal development books or things like that, you will probably find that they always talk about having at least, you know, a rest day. When you rest, you do your best because we cannot function off of those negative emotions. So if we're absolutely stressed out or burnt out, we're feeling we're feeling kind of low depressed we're not going to be able to show up how we want to so self-care is I guess you know it's your fuel to keep you going because there are going to be just like anything I always like to say you know remember that you're human but sometimes I think sometimes we think that we're 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 robots and even robots can break down so we really need to take those moments to kind of fuel ourselves kind of recharge ourselves back up because there's lots of research right now in terms of people who are maybe kind of entrepreneurs or people kind of who are, you know, professionals, you know, there's a high increase of, you know, um, mental health as well. So people are experiencing mental health problems and just in general in the UK as well, really anywhere over the world, mental health is um, really increasing at the moment. So at the moment, from what I'm aware in terms of the statistics, it's actually one in four of us who will experience a mental health problem, whether it be anxiety or depression, those are the most common. And even kind of with burnout, um, when we're burnt out, we have pretty much um, the same or similar symptoms to being depressed. So like not feeling motivated and things like that, um, not feeling interested in doing things. So really, I always say, if you're not going to rest, your body will do it for you. It is important to actually have that scheduled in if we can. So it's, it is vital. It's something that, because I was saying, remember, um, before kind of when I was working in mental health, I wanted to kind of develop my brand. So it was at that time just an idea and it was kind of com- slowly coming to me. I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but I knew it was around the topic of self-care. And I, I was I was, I was, was so burnt out, I couldn't even focus on it. And that's when really, that was my last little drive. That was my last little push. That was my last knock. So I had about three knocks and I was like, okay, you know, if you're, if you're not going to listen, if you continue to do the same thing, you know, you're going to stay in this position. So that's when I took it seriously. And just like you, you know, I love, I like to work. I enjoy working. I find a lot of pleasure and joy in it and I want to keep on doing it. So if you, you know, want to keep on working, if you want to keep on doing what you want to do without kind of having to really basically stop, it's vital that you take care of yourself. So how do we even identify burnout because I think sometimes we just think oh I'm just tired how do we really identify when we are truly burnt out or on the cusp of a burnout well really when we're burnt out 
as I was saying before, for some of the symptoms which I'm going to go through are similar to um, being depressed is actually exactly the same. The only difference is that it's due to kind of overworking. So when we are overworked, so this is usually when you feel, you know, emotionally and, and mentally and physically exhausted when you're absolutely kaput. So most of the time it will look like you are tired all the time. As we know, you know, we all have good days and we all have bad days. Um, so usually they, you know, if it's a really, really bad day, it'll probably last maybe around about three days. So I would say if it's more than that and if it's been going on or you've been feeling, you know, absolutely exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally, not interested in in anything. So you don't want to work. You don't want to talk to anybody you've been maybe isolating friends. You might also notice a change in terms of your eating habits. So you might notice that you might start to eat more. So that comes, and stress also comes along with it. So you might start to eat more or eat less, as well as your sleep, which is always a very good indicator in terms of if we're feeling kind of stressed out or not. You might find that your sleep might be disturbed. So you might be sleeping more as well. So sleeping a lot, um, even though you've maybe given yourself, you know, that eight hours of sleep, tired constantly or even sleeping less. So it's all of these physical, emotional or even kind of behavioural symptoms that you might notice in yourself. So this is why I always talk about how important it is for us to kind of just check in with ourselves, whether that be journaling or taking a mindful moment just to, you know, just assess our thoughts. You also might find that you start to think negatively. So if you are somebody who doesn't usually kind of struggle with negative thoughts. I know we can, you know, get negative thoughts every now and again, but if it's a constant thing, usually again, if it's directed to yourself or you find that you're kind of comparing yourself, all of those kind of things, you are, you know, feeling absolutely low. So those would be the signs, you know, that you are either burnt out or you're on the cusp of burning out. So if you're starting to see some of those symptoms and it's been a while, it hasn't budged over the past few days and it's been at least two weeks or so, yeah, I would definitely say that you're burnt out. And most of the time, I think when I was burnt out, I was like, I couldn't even get up. So <laughs> I could not get up. So I was I, I, I was oversleeping, just constantly in and out of sleep. It was like having a sick day for a good few weeks. So it wasn't very unpleasant. Yeah. And uh, what I appreciate about what you said, you, you know, scheduling, scheduling time off and scheduling your recovery period is so important. I think after last year, I realized that I was, I was burnt out every three months. I just noticed it. I was like, it was, it became this pattern of, you know, I'd work for three months and then I'd start to feel like I'm crashing. And then I'd somehow try to build myself back up. And it was this cycle of, burnout recovery, burnout somewhat recover. And then it was just burn, burn, burn. And I was like, okay, there is something that I have to do about this. And so one of the things that I realized that I'm the kind of person who I'll work in a sprint, you know, every three months, and then I need to take a week off where I can fully recover. It's about at least trying to kind of not only just waiting until maybe we have those moments where we can rest, but trying to make it something that we do at least daily or every other day. So getting into the habit of self-care, getting into the habit of having a maybe, you know, a, a routine where we, you know, you have a time that is for work and you have a time that is for you. Um, so it's about getting a balance of all of those things. So I know that obviously we some there are periods where, you know, we're going to have to work um, and that's great. But even just having those small activities that are going to just keep you going, keep you fueled. So 
when it is that time where you can have that real dedicated time to take care of yourself, you know, you will do it more kind of willingly. You know, self-care is not only kind of for emergencies. It's not it's something that we need to, it's, it's, it needs to be part, part of our life. And I know I have so many people saying, you know, I want it to be part of my lifestyle. And if you want it to be part of your lifestyle, then it's that you need to then schedule it in. It needs to be part of your lifestyle. So a lot of the things that are part of your lifestyle, you know, are on the agenda. So you, as well as all of those projects and all of those things that need to be done, you also need to be on that agenda. So just doing small things, because I don't think we always need to spend like half an hour or, you know, an hour doing something. Sometimes it's literally a moment. And I say a moment can be literally two minutes or five minutes, 10 minutes. I always say that to a lot of my clients who are absolutely busy. And I say, take a moment to just be. So one of my favorite things to do for like people who are absolutely busy is to, to stop And that's actually an acronym. It's a mindfulness, informal mindfulness practice. The acronym stands for, so S is to stop. So that's where you stop what you're doing. You're pausing for a moment. T is where you would just take a breath, take in a few breaths. Okay, and this usually helps you to focus on on the here and now. And then O is where you would observe. So this is where you get a chance to check in and just check if everything's okay. So you're checking and, you know, just observe your thoughts. Again, with mindfulness, we're not judging, we're not analyzing. We're just being aware of our thoughts, emotions and experiences. And then we can proceed. So that's the P. So when we do that, that gives us ability to have just a small check-in to maybe notice, ha, okay, I'm not really slowing down. Ooh, my shoulders are really, really high right now. My jaw's clenched. Maybe I'm just going to adjust my posture. Maybe I'm going to put on some relaxing music just to kind of maintain, um, you know, that good self-care and that, that self-awareness that I was talking about. So you know, actually, when it is maybe time that actually I need to stop or this is getting a bit too much. Because I think what happens is, because I've experienced it as well, is like where we'd be so stressed, we're not even kind of aware of it. So I would always say, is, again, to also try and be, you know, aware of what the signs of stress are for you. So how do you respond when you're stressed? What kind of things do you think? How does it feel in your body? Where, where does stress go? Um, and what do you do when you're stressed? Are you irritable? Do you, you know, kind of overwork? Those kind of things so that you're able to kind of check in with yourself and say, actually, let me stop. I noticed that through throughout my kind of self-care journey, it was people telling me what's going on. It was people saying, oh, you're, you're not looking after yourself. Oh, you're not. So that's where I knew actually what would stop you from getting to that point of absolute burnout is being self-aware. So that's why I say it's, that's like one of the biggest keys um, that we can do. But yeah, having that balance, having a routine and trying to kind of implement it within your, your day. So I like the fact that you actually spoke about the the, the I guess the waves. So there'll be those moments like every three months, you'll be kind of having that focus work. And then there'll be a point where you get that time for yourself. And I guess we we all work in cycles. We have sleep cycles, but we also have energy cycles as well. So I always get my clients to do, I call it a 90 minute boost. um, Because just as we, just as much as we have like our sleep cycles, which are 90 minutes, that's the same with our energy cycles. So I always, say every 90 minutes schedule in something for you to do that's for yourself so maybe it can be 15 minutes or five minutes where you have a self-care break so that's also again something and you can use that 
the stop acronym if you like but yes it's this it's it just helps you to again again get into that flow there's a lot of things out there now and like we said earlier like self-care has been turned into this really big buzzword and for a lot of the times we do think we have to buy something i mean the latest valuation of the wellness industry was around four bit four trillion dollars so a lot of people feel like they need to buy something or they need to pay for something one way or the other whether that's a massage or get their nails done in order to feel like they're really taking care of themselves what are some practical no purchase things that they can do and still be able to take care of themselves i'm gonna say my favorite (laughs) my favorite one (laughs) my favorite one is a gratitude walk uh so you get kind of i guess the best of both worlds so um Taking a gratitude walk is something that I, I always do. Um, so there are so much benefits of gratitude and implementing gratitude in our in our life. It really has a great, great benefits for our well-being. It really helps us to kind of shift our mindset if we are focused on maybe the negative things or we're starting to focus on ourselves. Um, and it helps us again to bring ourselves to that present moment and be grateful for the here and now and what we can control. So um and then again, walking is great, again, because that's a form of exercise, which is, again, one of the keys to um, good or positive well-being. So on your gratitude walk, you'll just literally go for a walk and just start speaking out or writing down all of the things that you are grateful for. So it's also a great way to connect with nature. So that's one thing that's free. Again, um, as we know, kind of doing things like having face masks and, and bubble baths, they're always good. They are always good if you can kind of take that time out for yourself. And my other favourite is is journaling, is taking time to really get to know you. I think that's that's one of the most important relationships that we, we could ever cultivate or, or develop, is having a relationship with ourselves. Because I know journaling is, is another, it's another word, isn't it? Another one of those words that are thrown around and people are like, where do I start? Journaling is just simply getting your thoughts out onto paper. So we don't really need to make it complicated. But if you're somebody like me, so I remember when I first heard the word journaling, I was like, huh? Um, <laughs> I had to, um, I, I'm a very structured kind of person. So he did that structure. Um, so the framework is basically writing down three things you're grateful for, three things that you are proud of yourself for. So this is going to also help you to boost your esteem. So I believe that we need to also boost our esteem daily. So three things that you're proud of yourself for. And then you will go into a daily reflection because I always say that like, you know, your feedback is, your feedback is also going to always help you to be the best version of yourself. So you're thinking about you know, kind of what you've been doing well, what's gone well for the day, what's maybe kind of not really gone so well, being really open and honest, not judging that that part, because I think sometimes we can focus on that a bit, quite a bit. Um, and then finally, just kind of thinking, how am I going to move forward from this? So what are the lessons that I've learned from this? That's kind of the way that I use my journaling. And then after that, you know, you feel free to kind of do your once you've kind of gotten into that habit, do kind of that free writing, which I think is also amazing as well. I'm I'm a massive advocate for journaling and a lot of my self-care actually costs me nothing <laughs> at all, you know, outside of like the skincare routine. But a lot of my self-care doesn't actually cost me anything. And I feel like we always see self-care as, you know, the bubble baths and buy this and buy that. And 
For me, I look at self-care quite holistically. So my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, my financial health, and my like my relational well-being. All those things are so important because at least for me, I found that when I'm struggling in one area, it starts to affect everywhere else. You know, if I'm not eating well, it's going to show up. And one of the things that I realized was movement was connected to my mental health, at least for me as an individual. And my food was also connected to how I was feeling. How, how do we even begin to, I guess, mesh the ideas of this holistic view? Because people always think, you know, self-care is just the bubble bath. But Taking care of your finances is self-care. You know, being a good steward of your money, for me, is self-care. That, that again, kind of goes back to us checking in with ourselves and really taking time to be aware of, you know, what, what, we, what we are doing. That is well, um, that's doing kind of great and that is benefiting us. And, and again, the things that maybe aren't helping us. So when we kind of want to change, um, we want to be, you know, great and we're finding that maybe we're just kind of stuck or we're stagnant is usually there's some change that needs to happen. So a lot of the time we can, we're creatures of habit and we can get stuck in habits that maybe might not be very helpful for us. So we are continuously doing the same thing again and again and expecting to kind of have, you know, kind of different results. It's insanity if, you know, we continuously do the same thing again and again and expect different results. So this is why it's so important for us to kind of check in with ourselves and give ourselves that feedback so we are able to make kind of those changes. And often a lot of the time, you know, I say that we feel these things in our body. We feel we feel the backlash of when we're not, you know, taking care of ourselves. So I like the fact that you spoke about kind of the ripple effect of of self-care when you're not kind of focusing on on you you will start to see on in different areas in your life whether it be your finances whether it be your mental health whether it be physically you will feel it you will feel it or you will see it and again that's where we need to then hone in and pay attention take some time to then kind of learn or develop any of the skills whether it is you know whether we need kind of that accountability or we need the tools it's important that we then go and get those tools to kind of work on that area because whether it's the right area to start with it's going to it's going to ripple out it will definitely ripple out but it's about finding out what that that main thing is that that one thing is that's really kind of causing i guess the most impact or you you notice and starting there and working your way kind of around so one thing that i tend to do with my clients as well is i do an assessment of their kind of self-care, thinking about all of those different areas um, and seeing kind of what areas are poor and what areas are good. And then we focus on that one area first and then we follow through with the others if we need to because most of the time the others end up sorting themselves out because we focus on that one area that was really poor. One of the things that I found as, especially as, you know, women and as a high achiever, like, you know, I, I'm like you, I'm always trying to figure out how I can do or how I can show up as the best version of myself. My first introduction into self-care, and it's still something that I still have to navigate, is the guilt that comes with it. And we hear it all the time. And I think we're more open to having the conversation about how we feel so much guilt when it comes to taking care of ourselves. 
how do we deal with that? Because I know that my listeners are probably like, yep, that's me. And been there, done that, got the receipts for it. How do we even deal with the guilt that comes with taking time for ourselves? Um, you know, that again goes back to one of the reasons why we kind of feel that guilt is because we haven't been kind of taught how to take care of ourselves. So, you know, we've got that notion that, you know, we need to kind of take care of others and then we, we you know, take care of ourselves. So when we have that moment to put ourselves first, you might find, you know, a whole rush of guilt coming over. And one of the ways that I kind of deal with that when I'm working with people one-to-one is actually getting them to think about the pros and cons because when we're introducing ourselves to a new concept that maybe we, we we know it's important but then we find it hard to kind of implement is to think about the pros and cons so thinking about actually what are the pros of me you know what are the pros of me taking care of myself and what are, are, are the cons? And that will just be something that will actually visually help you to kind of rationalize that, I guess, emotion that we're feeling. But again, you will most likely feel that guilt. It, will, it takes a while to go away. But the more and more we consistently commit to ourselves and show up for ourselves, it will reduce because we will start to see the benefits. That's why I really like pros and cons exercise actually thinking about okay how is this going to benefit me but also thinking about again the consequences of not taking care of yourself like how that's going to impact you and how that's going to impact your ability to be the best version of yourself and show up it is something that can be quite challenging but it is something that we have to commit to but we will have that emotion of guilt because again we know where it's come from because it's something that's new something that we haven't been taught we've taught we've been taught the opposite so it is going to feel a bit wrong it is going to feel like I need to be working and again that comes into that self-esteem so this is why I say it's so important for us to boost our self-esteem daily thinking about actually the things that you're good at and that how important self-care is and how it will keep you being good at what you are good at it will keep you going so remembering that it's going to help me to be the best so again that's kind of you know shifting doing some small kind of mindset shifts in terms of of guilt that guilt I know from personal experience can be so show-stopping very much so in that you know you know that you need the time off and you know that you need to take a step back and really take care of yourself But especially when we live in such a hustle culture um, where it's, you know, you need to be working all the time, 24-7, no sleep, all those things. And as much, like I said, as much as I am a, I like getting things done and I like getting things done well, um, and I'm always committed to that. One of the things that I had to realize was that I don't need to be working around the clock at all. Like it is not it's not feasible. And it's the reality is it's about navigating how you can get things. It's working smarter. In saying that, I think as, you know, especially for women like us who want, you know, we have this vision and we have this dream of what we want our lives to look like, how we want to show up for our, our work, whether that's our business or our nine to five careers, saying no. And you mentioned the people pleasing experience that you've had saying no 
often impacts the way that we can fully show up for ourselves, whether that's in self-care and also in work, because we're accustomed to saying yes all the time and being people pleasers. How do we even get out of the habit of people pleasing? Because I personally believe that my ability to say no is a form of my self-care routine. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) But how we kind of get out of that is there's a lot of unhelpful beliefs that we have around saying no. Um, Again, what we've probably maybe learned from our childhood. But there's a lot of myths. There's a lot of myths that we, you know, that that come along with, with saying no. So a lot of the time we believe that saying no is, you know, is rude or, you know, it's a correct, you know, if I say no, then that means I'm aggressive or I'm unkind or I'm, you know, uncaring or selfish or that we might kind of upset somebody and, you know, make them feel rejected in some sort of way. And then again, that feeds into those unhelpful beliefs that we have. But these are all myths. They're all myths because no, one, it's part of us being able to be assertive. And also say assertiveness is is also part of self-care. And it's also a boundary. It is a boundary that we set for ourselves and other people. Um, And I always say that boundaries, they they don't break relationships. They make relationships. They help us to maintain relationships. So, you know, I know where I stand and you know where you stand. And no doesn't, you know, yes, no is a full sentence, like, you know, complete sentence. But it also doesn't mean that you're saying no forever. You're just maybe saying no for this moment in time because you have to prioritize your needs. Because, again, if your cup is absolutely empty, if you're running on E, you aren't going to have anything to give anyway, even if you wanted to. So um, it's all about us kind of changing the way that we think and those um, beliefs that we have around maybe saying no and just and just doing it. But it's also realizing that in order for me to give to you, I also have to give to myself and I have to respect what I wish for myself. And that is also a form of self-care. It's your responsibility to maintain self-care in your life, not only with yourself, but even with other people as well. So letting people know, actually, no, I can't speak to you right now. I'm not going to be able to respond to your email right now, or I'm not going to be able to speak, you know, um, spend time with you. And it's not selfish. It is where, you know, this is how you're going to be able to make that time for yourself. So, you know, kind of getting it into your, 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 your lifestyle, and that's going to help you to kind of build up that, that habit. Now we're going to go into the fast five round where I'm going to ask you five questions and you just respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Is that okay? Okay. (laughs) Great. What's a resource or an app that's helped with your self-care journey that you'd suggest for other women to use? Headspace. That would be Headspace. Um, So that is an app that helps you um, with meditation and mindfulness. Um, So on there, if you are somebody who hasn't kind of gone into meditation or mindfulness and you're quite intrigued by that, I would say it's such a good place to start because it's very simple um, and it really kind of gives you a good introduction into mindfulness and meditation. So you can have meditation practices for up to, which start from a minute um, that go up to, you know, hours. Um, so you can kind of start at beginning and begin a stage and kind of work your way up, which is fantastic. So it's a great place to start and a good place to kind of give yourself and your mind a rest. What's a personal habit that has helped you in life and work? 
know you know this one. <laughs> um, but it's going to be planning and scheduling and like time blocking. So my, my diary, my calendar has been really, really helpful for me. Um, it's been help. It helps me to kind of know what I can say yes to, what I can say no to, um, and helps me to monitor um, and prioritize, and but also monitor kind of, um, you know, how my workload as well um, and keep me on ball because I think time management is also part of my self-care as well. I forgot to mention that. Um, it's part of my self-care because it helps me to not get so anxious. I get quite anxious when, you know, if I feel like, oh, I'm not prepared for something or, you know, I, I didn't know or if I'm caught off guard, that gets me quite anxious. So I try to keep my stress and my anxiety at bay. Um, so that's why um, my schedule or my planning or time blocking, that is is key. That's like my main habit. Yeah, that I hear you. I'm 100% there with my Google Calendar. <laughs> what is a book, podcast or event that has helped you significantly in the past year as it pertains to your well-being? Can I share two, please? Go for it, yeah. One has been um, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Um, he's absolutely incredible. Um, and there's um, another amazing book by um, Brendan Bouchard. Um, and it's the high high performing high performance habits as well. So he talks a lot about well being in there. So yes, he's amazing and incredible. So those are my two t- top two top two books. I love those books. What's one lesson you have learned in the past year that's helped with your professional and personal development as it relates to your well being? To invest in myself. That's the, the the one main one, and to ask for help whether that is delegation or if I'm kind of stuck on something, to genuinely just ask for help. One hundred percent. What's a word of advice you would share with women working to cultivate their own thriving careers and wanting to take care of themselves? Give yourself feedback. So this is where I was talking about a bit more of kind of the reflection. So taking time to reflect and check in with yourself because again that will help to boost your self-esteem but also as a way for you to check in and improve anything that you you may need to amazing and before i let you go where can we find you on the socials so you can find me on my personal which is at shanley lewis my brand's page which is good to me uk hey guys thanks for listening to work thrive the podcast If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts as it allows other ambitious women like yourselves to find the show. And if you want to join the community, head over to Instagram and follow us at WorkThrive. Speak soon.